episode 50. I find their illogic and foolish emotions a constant irritant. Then transfer out, freak! Come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Cheap, lying, no good, rotten, fork, flushing, low life, snake licking, dirt eating, inbred, overstuffed, ignorant, blunt, sucking, dog kissing, brainless, dickless, hopeless, heartless, fat ass, bug eyed, stiff legged, spotty legged. And now, together by live simulation via the internet, Scott Gardner and Chris Honeywell. Blah, 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 blah. No, blah, Hi, we're back with Two True Freaks. I'm Chris Honeywell, and I'm here with my co-freak, Scott Gardner. And, hey, how's uh, it going, everybody? And I know we put out a, a, a once-a-month Star Trek podcast, which is coming out this Monday. It's a Star Trek Monthly Monday. And we recorded it before the new Star Trek movie came out, so we're just sort of speculating in this. But this is the one where we're going to talk about seeing the movie, because we just saw it, and it's... We're sort of continuing our tradition of doing a sort of first impression um, film review where we go to see the movie and plop right out of it and come and talk about it. No repeated viewings, no time to really, really no, no super notes. analyze it. We'd make, we don't have any notes in front of us. We're just going to talk about what we thought. Dude to dude, man. <laughs> So, I'm, I'm going to put the pressure on you. What what uh-huh. did you think? I liked it a lot. <clears throat> I'm sort of afraid of what, what you're going to think. I, if, if, I, I'll be very surprised if you hated, hated, hated it. But uh, I liked it a lot. I found myself really enjoying myself. I have a lot of... Um, I have a lot of complaints with it as much as any other Star Trek movie I've ever had. But, but you know, by God... It felt like a Star Trek movie to me. It felt like a true to, to had some of the cheesy moments of a Star Trek movie, and you know, I, I um, it's not up to the hype that they that they put it up to. You know, of all you know, a hundred percent on the tomato meter and all that. It's not up to the hype of just like this mind blowing experience, but it it was Star Trek. I really enjoyed it. I'm. I'm eager to see what comes next, and I'm I'm curious, and and I know at least one of our fans is waiting to see what we both think. Now, now we just need to know what you think. <laughs> okay, well here's the moment. Here's the moment <laughs> probably everybody's been waiting for. Oh yeah, holding our breaths, man. Drum roll, please. What did Scott think of the new Star Trek movie? Okay, so here we W-W-D-S-T. go. WWDST. <laughs> um. I didn't hate it. Okay, I want to get I want to get that right out of the gate. I want to make that perfectly clear. I did not hate the movie. In fact, 
for about, and I'm not, I'm vague on times, but I'm going to say about the first third of the movie, I was digging it big time. I think largely because I had read Countdown, or was that the name of it? Countdown? Yes. yes. Yeah. Countdown. If I had read the the Star Trek Countdown, which was a four issue, you know, for those not familiar, that was a four issue miniseries that was basically the pre-story to the movie in that we got everything that that was kind of just encapsulated in this movie about where Nero came from where old Spock from the future came from we got that whole backstory and I'll tell you right now I feel sorry for anybody that went to see this movie that didn't read that because I would guess that that they they you know I don't know that they would be lost but they They got screwed out of a lot of stories my friends that saw it weren't lost, but at the same time, they just took it as a meaningless, like, psychobabble put in there just to, you know, just to, you know, justify the slam-bam action. So they didn't really, they didn't miss it, but at the same point, they really didn't know what was going on. Nobody knew what, like, really had any, there was just no way to really know Nero's motivations at all without reading the comics. You know, Nero was just sort of this weird... Uh, that's one of my gripes about the movie, is I don't think his character was developed enough to make him a good um... um no, you're... villain. You're right. He, he there reminded were a couple me. moments that made it cool. That, that started shading him in, like where, uh... You know, Pike was like, this is, you know, Captain Christopher Pike. And he and he just goes, ah, hello, Chris, you know, and just sort of starts engaging him on a person-to-person level. That was, you know, that showed his sort of working-class background or whatever. It was a neat, it was a neat line, and it got a little, like, people were, like, got a little chuckle out of it. But it wasn't, like, a chuckle, like, that was funny. It was just like, oh, that's a kind of... It was just kind of a neat little character thing happening. But that was really not much happened with him. He just gets to yell and poke his pig sticker at people and froth and fume and and rip off Khan, basically. And, he know. he seemed like um he seemed like a watered down um Shinzon. Now Shinzon was the human guy that became the Romulan Praetor, that whole goofy story with at the end of uh, of Nemesis. Now, I liked Nemesis. I liked Shinzon. I liked the story. Now, maybe I'm the only person, but I, I did like that movie, but I will acknowledge that, that it was the story was weak and the whole deal with Shinzon was kind of goofy. I, I, I thought that the way Nero came off in this movie was like a less interesting Shinzon. You know, it's like a less developed... Yes. Shinzon. So I yeah, I just didn't you know and I'm not crazy about that Eric Bana guy anyway. I I think he's kind of a you know kind hey, of a, a a block of wood actor, so you know, well, you know maybe that did, was part it, of it. It didn't even well he didn't really even have much to do in this, you know, that's the thing you know, that's it it was lacking the a lot of depth. It could have used a lot of depth, but you know what? Really there's Maybe the re- the retooled up Star Trek first Star Trek the motion picture and, and Khan and three 
really have the most like depth of character stuff of any Star Trek movies. Amen. And Amen. And all the ones on you know the next generation and this and the ones to come on that were sort of just you know bang up adventure stories and they had little character things in them, but they didn't really have the the depth of character writing that those ones did. And this one doesn't either. So in a lot of ways, it has a lot of the faults of any Star Trek movie. I think the strength of it was the the main cast. The the I I I bought Kirk, and that was my bottom line. I I thought he was a good Kirk. Spock was a little soft spoken for for Spock. You know, he was a little. Now, emo. I know that you I know that you don't watch Heroes, right? And so I'm I don't not, know him as his other role. Right. See, I'm not knocking. I think his name is Quinto, Zachary Zachary Quinto. Quinto. I'm not knocking his portrayal. Believe me, I did think he was a very good Spock. I I believed him. I enjoyed him. But it was kind of tough to get past the Siler thing for me. And maybe that's just me. I haven't heard that complaint or, or not complaint, but I haven't heard that comment from anybody else. So maybe it was just me. But there were still a lot of moments in that. When I looked at him and I didn't see Spock so much as I saw Zachary Quinto. And that's the problem with taking somebody that, yeah, he's not a megastar or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I knew him. Whereas if I had gone to say like, see like uh, Superman the movie, for example, and I knew Christopher Reeve from Guiding Light or whatever the hell he had done before Superman. Yeah, yeah, that might have kind of affected me with something like that too that's what this was you know i knew him from this other role where he's big shit on that show you know i mean he's the the bad guy he's he's the darth vader of that show so that was a little tough to get past you know but i did think that he was really good and uh um bones that's all i can say yeah he was he was absolutely Wonderful, yeah, Pitch I really liked him. But perfect. you know what was funny is he was the guy that I had seen in in the trailers and in some publicity photos. There's that one shot where they're riding the shuttle up from Earth, headed to Enterprise. Yes, and they they look out the window, and he he nudges Kirk. He says, "Hey, look at that," or whatever he says. And they look out the window. In that instant, the way he's looking and the way he's holding his face, damned if he doesn't look just like uh, uh, Gary Mitchell from Where No Man Has Gone ah. Before. And I thought, when I saw that in the trailer, I really thought, thought it was that Gary it was Gary Mitchell. He he would have been excellent in either role. He would he made a, a hell of a great um, um, bones, you know, uh, Doctor McCoy. Oh. It really was channeling uh, DeForest Kelly without without I, copying him. I mean, exactly. You felt exactly. He, you he felt like he was really, you know, when he delivered the damn it man's and and the you know the the quintessential McCoy lines. It didn't sound like an actor hitting their cues. It sounded like right. he meant it. It sounded like it came out of him just perfectly naturally. And it was just awesome. Every second he was on the screen, you know, people in the audience were just like, yeah. And I saw every- it with a nice packed, packed, packed oh, that was one theater. of theater. That, that was one of my notes. Um, there were a grand total of 18 people at my showing. Ooh. So, uh, but you know what was really funny? It was, uh, I was the only one going solo. Um, there were a lot of couples 
and there were more girls than guys. Well, there I were just, a lot I don't know of, what that adds up to, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. There were a lot of strange. girls at our, our screening, too. There were a lot of couples. There were people of all ages. Some great... I heard... I saw, like, little nerd and big nerd. The, like, the one nerd was, like, 20 years old, and uh, the other one was probably in his 30s or maybe early 40. Uh-huh. And uh, they're walking out, and the one guy goes, Wow, this certainly certainly raises a bar for Star Trek. And then he goes, that was better than Empire Strikes Back. And the older nerd just looks at him with this look of pity and like, <laughs> and sadness. It goes, right it goes, yeah, uh, you're just excited. <laughs> and, uh, no, but, it is, uh, it is not better than the Empire Strikes yeah, Back. Come on. Um, it's not, you know, don't get caught up in the hype that this is the greatest thing since sliced bread and, you know, wow, the action and blah, blah, blah. It's like Star Wars and Star Trek, you know, mixed together. Uh, you know, even the battles and stuff, it still felt very Star Trek-y. There were some beautiful shots of the Enterprise in those deep, with the deep, rich red, color, you know, colors and... With the foggy space, it made it look like the uh, like the Star Trek um, books, you know, the the old TV show adaption books with the pictures of the Enterprise and stuff. I loved, right. I loved a lot of that. Those shots, the one shot of the all the um, shuttlecrafts um, leaving the ship at the beginning, you know, before he uh, plowed it. Oh, spoiler! Alert. We're just gonna spoil everything if you're listening right now. But when uh, Kirk's dad rams his ship into the into Nero's ship, and all the there's that long shot of it, and all the little shuttlecrafts just sort of flying away. There were some really just neat shots. I I really liked the movie. I really liked it. You know, there were a lot of shortcomings, but I think it functioned as a good. To, for lack of a better word, you know, whatever. There's everybody on the forum are like arguing over whether it's a reboot or not, and whatever. I don't care. It it really definitely seems to take people who don't know anything about Star Trek, and they were definitely there were people there who I could tell were you know just going because they heard it was a good movie and they loved it, you know, and they were just like, "Ooh, this is what you know, this is what Star Trek was about." So that could be a good thing. I wish it would... I want to see it become a TV show. My dream would have been... It's a TV show with Christopher Pike as still as the captain. And, and you know, with Kirk and Spock and everybody on his crew. So you get to... I, I'd like to... I'd like the, the Pike character in it. He was... He, he didn't get to see an awful lot of him. But he was that, just that great, you know, tough guy. You know, sergeant you know, your drill sergeant or whatever. He was just that grizzled Starfleet veteran. Now, what do we know that actor from? Because I kept trying to place him the know. whole time I, I was remember. watching him. And I really, I it seems I've we've seen, seen him, him in a few things before. He's yeah. a kind of a character actor. But, you yeah. know, I would but love something to see Something sci-fi, a... and I can't think of what, I, I want to say maybe he was in... Uh, like from the Earth to the Moon, or some something like that. I know him from something I, space or, or sci-fi related, right. and I just can't place him. I I just liked 
the dynamic of everybody was sort of out of place on the on the Enterprise for a lot of you know there was a lot of shifting around until Kirk finally got you know was captain you know until Kirk finally maneuvered himself into captain and he sort of cheated too he sort of cheated on into the captain seat by screwing with Spock just like uh, beating the Kobayashi Maru which you know I thought I thought a lot of the tributes to um, Star Trek were uh, very well done without being too cheesy, you know, to the original Star Trek and to the to the lines. And it's funny, uh, Biblio Mike pointed out that he heard somebody say, you know, when they heard Kirk say Kirk out, that they thought that was a line from a reference to American Idol. Now, the problem I had with these tributes that you're talking about is it's not that I don't think that Abrams or whoever wrote this didn't know their Star Trek and everything, but I felt like the vast majority of the little nods and asides and tributes that we got were from Star Trek II. And, it, you know, granted that's generally acknowledged to be the best movie and all that right. sort of thing, but but with so many of them coming from that one, it almost felt like that's the only one they'd ever watched. And that was one of my problems with this was well, that... Well, was a red shirt. No, I mean, I understand that, but I'm just talking about, you know, you had the Kobayashi Maru, right. and uh, off the top of my head, I forget. There were several um, others. Well, there was, the, were... there was the the brain worm, the, the earwig yep. type thing. Yeah, there were, there were several things that I felt like were coming from that movie, and I was like, okay, I get it. That was your favorite. That's everybody's favorite, you know? Yeah. You love Star Trek too, but Jesus Christ, there's 78 other episodes and, you know, six other movies, so, you know, you've got a, a large well to draw from. Don't just focus on the one that you figure everybody may have seen before they came to see this. And that's kind of what it felt like to me. I'm hoping the plan is that this one is, you know, that that they're planning. Well, obviously, I got to say, there's definitely going to be more, you know, because this is going to, you know, I mean, it's just going to do do well. It's going to garner another movie. And I wish it would garner a TV show. That's what I would prefer. Because I, I would think, like to see a TV show where you force these actors to, you know, they're all really good in their roles. And if you put them in a weekly TV show, you know, about by the second or third season, you know, these guys would probably be just as ensconced in Star Trek lore as the original cast. I guarantee it. Because they're good. They, I, I really was like, yes, I would watch more and more of this cast as the crew of the Enterprise. I could... They, every, everybody was acceptable. Chekhov was a little cheesy. But he could, you know, he could tone it down a little, you know, in the next few movies maybe he'll tone it down a little bit and, and make he, it his own a little bit. Did he seem to you like maybe he was having trouble with the Russian accent? Because he oh, acted he, to me like maybe he was stumbling a bit with it and didn't quite have it I, refined. I think it was a little bit of that, and I think he was just too much. He didn't. He could. He did a fine. You know, it was too much of a a joke. Now every. Now I I didn't really think like that was funny, but when he was doing his whole, you know, originally when he was trying to sign in on the computer and it was and he was chewing up his W's, you know, he was. And, uh, you know, pronouncing all the W's and, and then he's doing the whole, you know, announcement over the ship. But people were loving that. They were cracking up and they just thought it was really funny. 
eh, I just, I thought it was a little awkward. But, uh, and, uh, but, you know, I like the fact that they show a close-up of him, and I'm like, oh, my God, this guy's got pimples all over his face. He's got, like, he needs some, uh, needs to, uh... Noxzema or Noxzema something? Noxzema up a little bit, you know, but that's, he's 17 years old on the on the Enterprise, so that was, that was pretty cool. Sulu, I thought it was really funny that, and, and a nice little, uh, <laughs> little thing to admit, probably, to probably take a little jab at, at Shatner and Takai is uh, Sulu and Kirk end up in each other's arms in that one scene. You know, the Kirk has to save him and they end up getting beamed up in, in each other's arms. And I thought that was a funny little reference to, to their, you know, those actors. And I thought Spock was good in it. I'm glad he didn't die. <laughs> I thought for sure Spock was going to ram his ship into the... Old the Spock? Other, the old Spock. That, yeah, and, and and they sort of faked, you know, the young Spock death, too. But I, I, I thought they were going to off Nimoy. But, no, he's an, act, he's an active member in this alternate universe, which I thought they pulled that off well, too. I like the explanation of not that it was a... Not that it was in an alternate universe, but that by going back in time and by Nero destroying Kirk's father's sh- ship and killing Kirk's father that's what made the timeline start you know that's what made Kirk's timeline a little different and started making things a little you know go in a different direction that's why you can have you know a destroyed Vulcan and stuff like that you can you can get away with some different continuity all right but does that make it the same timeline with changes, or does that make it a di- divergent it's an, timeline? It's, it's and like the, the same timeline, and then it bran- it branches off the second. It branches off in another another direction. The second. This is would be my quantum physics. So this is a parallel reality, and the original continuity still exists and is going forward somewhere in, in its own. And so that's the yeah, because that's that continuity is. You know that continuity exists by the very existence of old Spock. Old Spock is from that continuity. Right. So that okay. continuity I'm coming back exists. to that is why I'm asking because that's one of my one of my points, one of my little notes, and that's something I, I desperately have to get back to. So uh, no, I mean I, I'm not meaning to cut you off. Keep keep oh, going. But uh, I thought I thought that was a perfectly acceptable thing for me. It wasn't too. It wasn't too, you know. It made it made sort of sense, and it, and it explained everything. But at the same time, I don't think they tried real hard to like make this not your daddy's Star Trek. It felt like your daddy's Star Trek to me, mm. in a way. And as a way, it felt like it. In some ways, it was a return to your daddy's Star Trek. In another way, it was the same thing as when the Next Generation came out, and it was a little weird. And the effects looked a little video-y. And, you know, this is just basically taking the visual language of modern day now and, and translated it to Star, Star Trek for better or worse. But yeah, I had some problems with that. With, with I had the some lens serious flare problems and stuff with that. Like that. With the, the jittery cam. What was up with and, that? It was like the, a handheld camera through so much of the movie. Yeah. And that, that MTV jittery cam shit really gets on my nerves. It, it does. It does. I I don't mind it. I don't mind it until it's to the point of like when they do the like a lot of the CSI type shows, where 
they don't have a jittery ca camera, but they'll program it into a computer at the end that, that puts a certain, so the camera's always moving, so it always has that feel. But that doesn't bother me, but that's just me. I'm, I've always been able to watch stuff like that, and it doesn't bother me where other people are like, I can't watch this, I'm going to throw up, you know? You know, and that like uh, seeing like the Blair Witch Project in the theater was like that. Some people were just like, "Oh my god," but uh, the, the handheldness didn't. That stuff didn't bother bother me that much because I I I sort of I liked the general look of a lot of stuff. I I thought it was a little. Um, they could have maybe toned down the you know the. They could have made it look a little less modern. They could have struck maybe a little more balance to the old, um, um, the the old bridge and the old ship. Although I liked engineering, I liked engineering looked like you know a sort of boiler room. Oh, you've got to be kidding me! That's one of my biggest complaints. Well, I didn't it, like you know the, I didn't like, like the tank of I didn't like the tank of water for Scotty to go through. I thought that was cheesy as hell. But that actually kind of fit as far as I think, you know, I mean, they have to have some sort of fluid, or something you know, like whatever. That, yeah. but, but I mean, the rest of that literally looked to me like they went down the street to their local sewage treatment plant and filmed all of the, the innards of the ship scenes at like the, you know, some local plant somewhere like a steel factory or sewage plant that all that irritated the hell out of me. Because, <laughs> I mean, even on the original series. Yeah, it didn't exactly look functional or what, but it looked futuristic. You, you know, you could see where there was supposed to be an engine and there was supposed to be pistons or whatever the hell. This just looked like some boiler room somewhere and some. Fa I mean, it looked like, you know, I, I worked in my last job. I was working in a in a food services plant. It looked like the rear part of the factory, you know, where where right. you know the all the machinery was. So it didn't look futuristic. It didn't look. It didn't well, even look like. Where the hell was the engine? You know, I mean, there was one part where Scotty, went, I'm giving her all she's got, Captain, and he's standing with like all these gantries and shit all around. Where the hell were the engines? That it, I know it's nitpicky, but it just irritated me. I mean, you know, if you're going to complain about the engines and I'm giving her all she got, well, show me what the hell you're <laughs> giving to what, because I didn't see anything but a bunch of pipes and and uh, levers and you know little uh, faucet dials and shit. I didn't see throbbing engines in a warp drive and warp core and all the stuff that we've come to know as the visual language of the engine room. I didn't see any of that stuff. And that that bugged me, you know? The the goofy weird bridge with the with the strange I mean, how the hell do they see anything on that view screen when it's it, it's like they had the resolution wrong. It's like somebody needed to hit the letterbox button on the view screen to make uh, Nero's face come in properly and nobody ever did it, you know? Right. I mean, did you notice that, how he was all, like, scrunchy, weird-looking? Yeah. It's like when you try to watch, you know, like, something letterboxed and your your TV's not, like, your DVD player's not right. set so right or something. So it squashes it or, yeah. or something. Yeah, it just looked bizarre. And to top it off, that image was projected on an actual piece of like transparent aluminum or plexiglass oh. or whatever. They were actually in this one going on. out a front window of the ship, which is I know what's going on. What's that? With Nero. His technology is so much more advanced than theirs that it was probably like 
wasn't syncing up. It wasn't syncing up right. They were, you know, they were just trying, you know, their their resolution compared to his resolution. I'll give you the no prize on that one. I, I like that. Ooh, I can buy I've that. I've two no prizes in the last two shows we've recorded. <laughs> I'm so proud. I'll, I'll give you that. I can buy. I'll buy that explanation. That actually makes some sense. But what doesn't make sense? And I, I did you catch this? The front of the bridge now, when they're looking out at the screen, right. when there's nothing on the screen, that view they're seeing is now a window. It's never been a window before, but now no, it's, it's an actual window, which tells the enemy, shoot me here. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's fucking stupid. You it know? was I cracking mean, at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah, that, that's I mean, pretty scary when the roof of the bridge and the windows start cracking. Yeah, that's not that's not a sound tactical decision. I mean, not only do I agree with the many, many people, the many fans over the years that have said, why the hell isn't the bridge in the middle of the ship in like the safest part, like a safe room in the middle of the safest part of the ship? Why is it up top where it can be easily well, they, shot at? They have not only like do that I secondary that, bridge. Now you've given them a window where they can see you yeah. to shoot, you know? <laughs> well, they... They always have had the like auxiliary bridge that was down, wasn't it down in engineering? Or you something, know, they, they used yeah, it a couple other times, but that probably should have been the main bridge, right? But right. yeah, you know, I don't know if that owes back to some naval thing, you know, right. some submarine, you know, because Roddenberry ad- adapted a lot of like submarine, uh, whatever you call it, terminology, whatever right. you know, the the whole nautical. submarine nautical thing over to the original series. So I can I can understand that, you know? And I mean, they are supposed to be explorers. They're supposed to be boldly going. I get that. But there's a difference between boldly going and walking into death, you know? Which, and this <laughs> seems like that. This seems like, like I said, it seems like a big target. Shoot me here. If you yeah. want to kill me, this is where you shoot. You know, that's just dumb. I mean, what do they need? If they've got a functional view screen, what do they need a window for? It just, I again, I know it's nitpicky, but it just, oh, it was little things like that 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 really, I don't know. I keep, I keep, I don't mean to cut you off. You, I That's want okay. you to get it. I want you to get it all out of your system, and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna give my take on on but all of it. All I'd say is I, I, I am actually just honestly, I would, I can't wait to see these characters develop into now. Hopefully. That hopefully they'll be given a better villain or maybe even a story without a villain, you know, or just a Star Trek story. Hopefully keeping, you know, that, um, the, the, even if they don't maintain the same writers, if they can maintain the Star Trekness of the stories and, uh, and keep that going and keep it interesting, they've got. Uh, a good-looking enterprise, and they got a, a crew that that I buy as all their their roles, and I enjoy seeing play the roles for the most part. So, the framework is there for me. It's all there. I, I would say, I would say, hold hold your thoughts as far as sequels and. And follow-ups because I'd actually like to kind of close out with that, you know, as far as what what are our expectations from here, right. what do we want to see, what what don't we want to see. I would say hold hold that to the end. That's kind of how I want to wrap it up, if you know what I mean. Okay. 
not not to not to be bossy, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I think that's just a more logical, <laughs> pardon the pun, a more logical way to close things out. But uh, what what else you got? Um, I I liked it was good to see Leonard Nimoy. I think he was kind of wasted in it, and a lot of you know, there was some nice, nice elements to his, his him being in it. But, you let, know, let me, I, I got the feeling that he was just there to pass the torch, you know. Let me ask you this point blank. Was he there to pass the torch or was he there to collect a paycheck? Well, well, he's always there to collect a paycheck. Come on, that's always been... Not always. He passed up six for a hell of a lot of money for, you know, quote-unquote artistic whatever, you know. So he didn't... Di- or, excuse me, not six, but a generations rather. Right. So... You know, again, I ask you, was he was he here as he, you know, I saw him the very next day after I saw the movie. I saw him on The View of All Places, which uh-huh. is a show I will normally avoid, you know, like a skin right, rash. Right, But, you know, in this case, I, I, you know, I was curious enough to check it out. So I watched it and it was kind of neat to see him and, and Whoopi Goldberg, you know. Oh, right, that, that right. Might, you know, exactly. Some people might not remember that, you know, well, she was a big part of the Star Trek mythos as right. well. So it was fun seeing those two interact, and they actually spoke the language, whereas a lot of the other people there didn't, you know, they weren't as versed in the right. in the universe. What? But I'm telling you, watching him in that interview and just my own impressions walking away from the movie were that he can say all he wants, but I'm not stupid. And I think he was just collecting a paycheck. And part of the reason I say that is the whole his whole attitude – before the movie, his whole attitude in this interview that I saw, and the biggest thing, and I'm just going to come right out and say it, he was awful in this movie. <laughs> he was flat out awful. I, as much as I loved Countdown and I loved the setup and I loved the part, you know, the fact that old Spock was a very integral part of this movie, I wish he had not been in it. I really do because he was so bad. I mean, the cheesy factor that you talked about in the very beginning, and I'm going to come back to that. That's, where, I got it, that's, where, serious... it, that's where it comes in, are most of the scenes Ex- with him exact... in it. Thank they, you. They feel, exactly... they, they feel like the yeah. old movies, the, the way they're lit, the way that the, 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 um, just the scenery is laid out and stuff, and the think way they they're feel... approached. I don't think they feel like the old movies because that, that to me intimates that we don't like the old – I love all of the movies. Even the ones I don't like, I still like if you know what I mean. What no. it felt like to me was there was, a, there was a two-part Next Generation episode called Unification that had Leonard Nimoy in it and he played like an ancient Spock. You know, This was when he was Ambassador Spock trying to unify the, the Romulan people back right. to their you know, Vulcan cousins. He's, you he's know? even older in this supposedly. Yeah, this and is- that – just really there's something about that episode that yes while it's cool it doesn't quite work somehow at least to me it never felt it's it's weird doesn't work as well without kirk and the best scenes in this one were with spock and kirk together right and and with spock going you know with spock knowing quote-unquote the future which he doesn't really know at this point because it's a different future, but he knows the man that that, that Kirk's going to become. And he also is uh, familiar with time travel and the time-space continuum. And he also knows 
that he's in a different time stream, so he doesn't really have to worry about screwing with every anything. But he is sort of gentle with how much information he lets everybody know and everything. But yeah, his this is my what I think happened with Leonard Nimoy is probably with his schedule since he's old and probably cr- cr- crotchety and picky. Um, I think he probably had like two days or a day that he could shoot. So they brought him in, they had all the sets ready, and he did all his scenes, you know, in front of a green screen or whatever, running, you know, or, you know, chasing off the CG monster and, you know, his scenes with Kirk, and then his scene with Spock, and, you know, basically just do all his his little shots in that one day, and then he was done. So he really didn't have a chance to warm up to anybody, to warm into his part, he just came in and you know, very close to what you would call phoning it in, you know. So that's that's what I think happened. I think he pulled the uh, old guy who's too tired to really put a lot of effort into the role, so he right. just didn't. And but it, I, I, it I think that that adversely affected... I won't say the. I was going to say the movie. I won't say the movie. I don't think it adversely affected the the movie as an as, as an entire thing, but it affected definitely the parts that he was in. The parts that he were in are 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 the cringeworthy moments for the most part because he just. I, and I want to be that, clear on this. I'm, I'm huh? not. This is huh. <laughs> that's pretty unexpected too. It is. It is because he's normally, you know, the one that that has the stature, the one that's the very serious. You know, he he brings, he brings normally to Spock, at least in the movies, what Patrick Stewart brings to Captain Picard. You yes. know, the the, the serious, the gravitas, the professional theater trained actor. And yes. I didn't get any of that with this. I got a guy who came from movie of the week to this. And that it just—I'm not trying to be overly harsh to the guy. And believe me, I, I want to be clear on this. This is not an age thing. This is not—you know—my beef with with Harrison Ford in India, or not necessarily my beef, but a lot of people's beef with Harrison Ford in Indiana Jones was the oh, he's just old. Yeah. Well, shit, he can't help that he got old. And I'm not knocking Leonard Nimoy for being 103 years old. It helps what I'm with saying, his role. He should—you know—he should, you know, he should I, be old as the hills in this anyway. What I'm saying is that he didn't. It, it, it really didn't feel like he was taking yeah. it seriously. He he didn't have, for one thing, he didn't have the stone cold, emo, you know, emotionless, stolid Spock face. He had kind of the 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 wise ass Spock face. You know, when well, when when Spock's up to something, he gets that glint in yes. his eyes. Well, I'll put he it this had way: that a lot in this movie, well, like because he was, I think by this time Spock has become more comfortable. By, it was. It wasn't until Star Trek five and six that Spock was becoming kind of a Joker, you know, becoming right. kind of. He was to the point of not just having integrated and accepted his emotions, but starting to use them and enjoy them and appreciate them in those last few movies. And I think it had a lot to do with the actors getting older and making sure that those developments were being put into the script for their characters to give their characters some some depth and uh so i think that and and i also think he maybe was trying to match up 
with Quinto by being a little less because that's another thing is as Spock and and uh, Nimoy and Shatner were stage trained thespian type they had strong Kirk's voice was a little high pitched but it was a strong you know they both had strong deep uh, well uh, Nimoy had a deep voice and but they had very projected voices you know and that's not the same you know a lot like I, I get the impression that these actors you know are more used to, to acting to a microphone so there's nothing wrong with that but it come, they don't project as much so maybe he was trying to dial it back a little bit so he wasn't you know deep in but he could have if it, I don't think he needed to do that if, he, if that's what he was doing because there's so many years between old Spock and young Spock that there's so much water under the bridge that you can accept any kind of, you know, plot development. And, and you know, it was also, you know, established that all the, that everybody in it was, you know, we were accepting them as being, not only being the characters they are, but like Scotty, like a lot of the continuity thing with it is you notice, um, Spock knew who everybody was when he saw the new actor he was like ah oh, Montgomery Scott you know so everybody was supposed to be exactly who they were so you know the the Chris Pine Kirk you know to to old Spock looked like you know the the the, the authentic Kirk or, or young yeah young yes. Shatner yeah so so i thought that you know that that didn't seem to to bother me at all but yeah, let, um, it's it's really funny because I've I've read the few negative reviews that there there were, and there's just nobody has said anything negative about Leonard Nimoy. Maybe it's a holy grail that nobody wants to go there. You know, most of the reviews. Are Great. From, so you're telling me that I'm going to be the contrarian once gonna, again? Oh yeah, oh. you're going to be the prick once more. But I'll back you. I'll back you up that he phoned it in. I mean, it was pretty obvious. I mean, there were. Uh, don't get me wrong. I really liked this movie. There were, you know, there were lots of there were lots of flaws to it. But it, it, in the end, they didn't bring down my. I, I I thoroughly enjoyed myself all the way through it, and uh, I'm really hoping and looking forward to seeing more of it. I. <clears throat> uh, pardon. I, I I I only wish it was a TV show. I would I would love to see this as a as a TV show because then it would have more of a chance to suck. Then it could suck a lot more, you know, when in getting its feet and and um and uh, getting its its you know its bearings about it you know it could you know there there can always be sucky episodes of a star trek tv show it's worse when there's sucky movies you know sucky movies can bring everything to a halt where a sucky tv show you just have to wait another week and maybe there'll be a great one and uh and it would also get these characters really deep into their roles which would be awesome but uh you know i know you're i know you're chomping at the bit for what you got to say so, no, I mean, I, well. I want to make sure you get it all out of your system, man. It's okay. I, I've been I'll, I'll trying be able to, to be quiet and be I'll good. Be able to, I'll be able to throw something in around the edges, so you you, you right. can you can. Uh, all right, can let I'm gonna I'm juice. gonna do it this way. I, I'm I'm not 
I don't want this to be another Dark Knight episode. You know what I mean? I, I don't want to be the guy that pisses on everybody's parade. And, and more than anything, I don't want to be the guy that gets laughed at when the whole rest of the world loves it. I don't want to be the, the <laughs> one guy that hates But that being said, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it in reverse order rather than do, you know, there's good news and there's bad news. I'm just going to get my beefs the hell out of the way and concentrate on what I really liked. And I want to stress that I really liked a lot of this movie. The first third of the movie, and I'll tell you where I thought the, for lack of a better term, where the jump the shark moment was for me. But all right, here we go. I'm, I'm basically, I made notes as you were talking. I'm going to redress a lot of what you said, but then I also just have notes of my own. But basically, two words that you used right out of the gate sum up a hell of a lot of this movie for me. Those two words were cheesy and hype. Now, the cheesy bit comes in. It didn't. It wasn't cheesy to the point that it ruined it for me because a lot of the original Star Trek right. TV series was cheesy as hell. It still is. Whether it was intended to be, whether it was in the 60s, whether it was at the time they filmed it, I don't know. But in retrospect, looking back on it, a lot of it is cheesy. So I'm trying to cut them a break for that. But the problem was, is I think a lot of the moments in this movie that were cheesy, I get the feeling they were unintentionally cheesy. And it was just, it was, there was a lot of it. Uh, a lot of it had to do with Leonard Nimoy, had to do with his performance and certain things that came off. A lot of it was the modern euphemisms that were injected into it. Now, the whole scene with the car, I thought I was prepared for that because, you know, we saw that in the original trailers. Right. I wasn't, I guess, because it still bugs the hell out of me. That entire scene really needs to get cut. It doesn't do anything for the movie. It doesn't work. Why the hell are they... Why do they still have roads in the 23rd century? Why is he driving a a, a gas... I presume still gas-powered car? It just... I know what they were going it for. Was and it was his dad's antique, but here's another thing. What does a co- Where does a cop put a prisoner on those motorcycles? And why is there only... If you got one cop driving around on that motorcycle, where are you going to put it? You know, what are you going to do with your prisoner? You going to drag you, I'll him give behind? You, I'll give you a bigger nitpick. Unless I'm mistaken, why is there even a cop? Unless I'm mistaken, didn't Deanna say in that episode? Now this is getting super nitpicky geeky right here, <laughs> but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. In the episode where they meet Mark Twain. Um, Samuel Clemens, and he ends up coming to the Enterprise, I could swear that one of the laundry list of things, the achievements that Deanna Troy cites to Mark Twain for the progress of humankind on Earth was the elimination of crime. I'm almost positive that that's in the list of things like, you know, famine, disease, war, blah, blah, blah. I'm almost positive that crime is on that list. So, you know... I don't know. I mean, would there still be police? Probably because, you know, you're always going to have, you know, miscreants like us that are going to raise hell in a perfect utopian society. Right. Or you're going to have to, or the threat of you never know if something from the outside, you know, you have to have some sort of defense. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, this was, this was a, this was a, 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 you know, a futuristic chips, (laughs) you know, he had his motorcycle, you know. 
Well, was, plus, and, wasn't he a robot or something? He looked like something from THX 1138. Right. He, right. he had his whole like face mask on, maybe because those motorcycles go really fast and it was to keep the bugs from... But was it a face mask or was he a, an android? Because he looked like an android to me. He, lo- he looked I'd, like an I'd, artificial life form to I'd me. I'd like to think that they wouldn't, if they had, like, android technology just wouldn't be at that rate on Earth or in the Federation at that point, even in alternate reality land. And it's, right. and also to the point where they would let it be a cop. And, and it was too emotional, you know, and, and that line of like, what is your name? You know, what is your name, citizen? You know, that was just, that was a cheesy line. And the, and the kid didn't, and, uh, you know, and there was another, that was another slam at Shatner scene because they were playing Sabotage by the Beastie Boys, you know, is I think sort of a reference to Shatner's Sabotage, Sabotage meltdown in the animated series it's it's so famous that's pretty obscure though do you really think that yes i think i think the writers are that nerdy i think they are that nerdy to do that yes (laughs) getting back to the cheese factor though and this was actually one of my fears going into this movie that i don't know that i voiced in any previous episode but one of the things i was really afraid of was you know, there, there's a new to, – to me anyway, it seems like there's a new breed of science fiction. It's a new breed that has cropped up in recent years mostly on television with things like Babylon 5 and Farscape and I'm, I've just begun to watch Battlestar Galactica. And as much as I'm digging it, the weird crap with the camera and the zoom in, zoom out, crazy camera stuff and all that – it's the visual language of the day. Yeah, and it irritates the hell out of me. And so much of this movie confirmed my fear that it would be in the movie to begin. You know, it, it really is. It's using that new visual language, and it, oh, it drove me. It, it just really bugged me because it, it, it doesn't feel. That's what the, right, major- I'll give, I'll give that's the language a, a, the majority of people use now with their eyes, just not us. We're well, old. that's the. Exactly. That's the thing that bugged me, and that's what made me nervous when I kept seeing things on TV saying, this isn't your daddy's Star Trek, forget everything you know. That's the stuff that made me nervous. Because I'll I'll point to Star Trek 3 as what I I think, you know, whether whether you like that one your best or not, I'll point to that one as I think that's the most expertly directed movie of the of the entire Star Trek series. What I mean by that is I think that one looks the best. It looks the most like a true Hollywood motion picture as opposed to a TV show brought to the big screen or, you know, something directed by lesser known direct whatever. I, I think there's something about the way three moves and is lit and is directed and flows that just feels the most epic. Well, it's of got all a very it's got a very gothic look to it. It's all right. steam and smoke and red lights and right. and close sets. And this movie is arguably the biggest baddest 
whatever since the first movie, since Star Trek the motion picture, as far as its scope and size and, and the, the job it's trying to accomplish, yet it's directed like an MTV video. And that that just drove me crazy because, you know, I know that this guy is better than that. I watched Lost. That show is beautiful. I mean, the way it's directed, the way it's shot, lit, the whole nine yards, that show feels more cinematic to me than this entire movie did. I, I, I'm not trying to be overly harsh. I'm just saying that there, there's a Maybe difference between... Maybe they're trying between... to capture more of the feel of a TV show. No, you know what they're trying to do? They're trying to aim it at the young people. They're trying to aim it at the friggin' MTV generation, which... You know, I, I talked with my wife about this in the car today because I've been trying for a day now to wrap my head around this new movie. I've been honestly, I've been trying to decide whether I like it or not. It's not a matter of do I hate it or not because I don't hate it. There was enough there that I, I enjoyed. I didn't feel like I wasted my money. I didn't feel like I wasted my time. But I, I put it to her this way. I said, your favorite show is The Waltons, right? And she's like, yeah, I, I would say that's probably my favorite show. I said, all right, how would you feel if they did a big budget remake of the Waltons, all new cast set in the same era. Yet basically with today's modern direction and liberal sensibilities, how would you feel about that? She goes, I'd hate it. She goes, that that's not the Waltons. And I said, exactly. That's the problem I'm having with this new movie is that, I feel like I've been naked in the same room with another woman that's not my wife. I enjoyed the experience, but then afterwards I felt really guilty about it. You know? Do you follow me where I'm coming from with this? Yeah. Here's the point. Here's that jumping the shark point for me. I was digging the movie. I had a little bit of nitpicks. You know, it starts right off with the new ship. And the engine room and all the innards in that ship look like your local sewage treatment plant. That was bugging me. But other than that, I was digging it. I liked the thing with Kirk's dad. I liked everything. I liked young Kirk. I liked the build-up. Everything was going right along. I liked the part with Chris Pike in the bar. Everything was moving right along. I loved, loved, loved the Spock backstory as a child. Uh-huh. You know, it's picking on him. That shit uh-huh. was right out of uh, that yesteryear episode from the animated yes. series. Yes, you're I right. loved it. I was digging it. I was like, damn, they are being so respectful and honoring my starch. I'm I'm loving this movie. I am so on board with this movie. Where did they lose me? They lost me on the part on the bridge when they basically acknowledge that we are now living in an alternate timeline. That was the part where I said, you know, the, the, I could hear the, the brakes screeching in my head. Because at that point, I suddenly realized, why should I care about any of this? If this is taking place in some offshoot alternate reality, and my Star Trek is still out there, why... why it, it comes down to what I'm going to call ultimate syndrome. Marvel comics about 10 years ago spun off a whole new universe called right. the ultimate universe where they have ultimate Spider-Man and ultimate X-Men and all these different titles. I, I largely, except for 
you know, a couple of things they've done in that universe, I largely just could give a crap less about it because it's not, I'm not invested in it. You know, I've got the core, I've grown up with that. I'm, I'm comfortable with that. I'm versed in that. And I just don't feel like I need this other entity. That's my problem with this is that the only way I think that I ultimately would have walked away from this and felt fulfilled, totally fulfilled, is that somehow they had stopped Nero from altering history. You know, that Spock came back, fulfilled his mission, and everything went forward as it should have been. And this really was the early days of our Kirk and Spock. It's, it's not that any longer. It, it's one of two things. It's either an offshoot alternate reality, which, again, I have to say, why should I care about that? Or it has now, like, like an old cassette tape, it has rewound to the beginning, and now it's erasing and overriding what existed before. And I can't say I don't care about that, but it's like, I don't... I don't want to start all over again. It's like what they did with Spider-Man, with him now jumping back 20 years in continuity and nothing in the last 20 years matters or ever happened, and now they want to go forward. Some people are loving that. That's the point I'm jumping off. I, I could, I, I'm not prepared to jump back 20 years and do it all over again. And that's kind of my problem with this. I'm not prepared to jump back to 1966 and do this shit all over again. You know, I, I've spent my life growing up with this mythos, and I, I, I don't want to relearn it. I don't want it to be toyed with. I just want it to go forward. I was well, digging where it was. I'm not I think unhappy this way, with, with a huh? with a new with a new timeline. It at least puts in a sense of suspense because you don't know the eventual fates of anybody anymore. But and, ultimately, why? I mean, why would I care? I mean, really, well, I've seen where they people, wound up. The, I guess, I guess the point is, you just get to it's it's a way of being able to present start a new Star Trek. You know, it's just an excuse to have a new Star Trek, and instead of you know, uh, and I'm sure they've been, you know, agonizing over whether it's. Um, you know, do we want to do Voyager? Do we want to use the next generation crew and do a continuation on that? Blah, blah, blah. So when they made this decision to do that, they were like, well, we don't want to alienate the fans. But they definitely wanted to bring in new fans because they wanted to have, if this goes on for another generation, they need, you know, people to continue on with it after we die off, <laughs> after the original. Well, you know, my the original the Trek fans thing, are yeah. going to die off in, in the next 20 years, you know? Yeah, my so. wife said the same thing as, you know, sweetheart, you're not going to live forever, you know? Because right. I said that to her. I said, you know, that, that was my problem is that, you know, I've loved this. I've supported this all my life, and I feel like this movie wasn't made for me. And she just, you know, in, in, in the patronizing way that she sometimes has, she just pats me on the back and says, sweetheart, you're not going to live forever. I understand that. It sucks, but I acknowledge that. That, yes, I, I, I understand that new people have to come into it. But, you know, you and I, Chris, weren't alive in 1966. We didn't grow up with the original Star Trek. 
we came in as second generation trekkers sure. you know we we discovered i mean i discovered star trek really when star trek 2 was on hbo and what the hell year was that it had to be 83 84 right you know so you well, know I yes i was of a you. No, I mean, I was aware that it was around, but I'm saying I was not a a, a diehard fan until yeah. that a, a, until that event. It was something that my older uncles watched that I was aware of. You know what right. I mean? But it wasn't something I was a fan of or devoted to or even you know terribly versed in. Right. But I got it eventually, you know. And I I think in the way that it is, exists before this movie. I think it's still winning fans. I mean, there's lots of people. There's lots of young people out there that discover Star Trek every day. You know? I guess the question I'm asking is, who was calling for this? I mean, who was calling for... Yes, I, I've heard a lot of people say that... I know who was calling for it. Paramount. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I mean, yeah, you know, there's a, there's a bottom line of money to, to as much of the... Is this as uh, uh, any new Star Wars movie or Star Wars franchise or anything like that? It's what it was is what makes them exist. But yeah, there's a whole um, enterprise <laughs> around you know Star Trek. That's right. It's been going for forty years, and it has people who work for it and are employed in it and are invested in it and who love it. You know. There's, there's people who write the books and watch the movies and there's fans and and and, and you do and I do want something you know I do want to see new good Star Trek you know and I've uh, even though I've managed to avoid the last like three incarnations of it on TV I, I right. managed to not watch those but I have I, wa- I, I wanted a, a new good and oh I mean and, I did too but what I'm saying that that's my question though is, is that it, was is this was worth it? this no, was this the way to do it? I mean, with oh well, there's so I many mean, ways who, you could have done it. Who was clamoring for a reboot of of Kirk and Spock and, and that era? I mean, is this it's really been what bandied he, about before because it's an easier way to deal with the aging actors in in all the Star Trek shows now, and and the ones that aren't aging. Well, maybe their shows weren't as successful or marketable as movies as the ones who are like from the next generation and from the original series. They're dropping like flies. But I mean, know? Kirk, Kirk and Spock haven't been Star Trek to a lot of people since 19. When did Star I, Trek 4 come really out? 86? Yeah, I think this is really a plot to bring back Kirk and Spock by people who are like you know Kirk and Spock are where it's at you know I mean you know just the fact that there's a debate over who's superior Picard or Spock or Spock or Kirk you know that's ridiculous to me that's ridiculous to me I think to me the definition in human form of Star Trek is James T. Kirk it's not well, that's, Spock, but it's it's it is James T. Kirk. You, you, you've slightly stole some of my thunder because on the positive side, uh-huh. and I'm not I've not done with my negatives yet. But on the positive side, my number one positive for this movie, and 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 I love it. It's I'm just gonna gush about it. Is the fact that if he didn't get anything else right, and I'm not saying he didn't, he got a lot right. But if 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 J.J. Abrams got one thing absolutely dead on perfect. 
thank you God that the man that directed this movie realizes what I've always thought. Star Trek is James T. Kirk's story. There may be other characters, other very important characters like Spock, Picard, Data, whoever, but ultimately, what killed Star Trek when James Kirk died, and he died a somewhat shit death in Generations, that is directly where you can trace the downfall of Star Trek 2 because after he died it just lost something because he you know by the by the sheer power of his presence and ego and everything else both William Shatner and Jim Kirk were just the embodied they were what powered the Star Trek phenomenon amen that's what I've been saying all along yeah Exactly. And and he got it right. He understood that. And so, all right, maybe I just answered my own question. Maybe that's what, why they did this. Maybe that's why they went back to the beginning rather than give us. Now, I never expected we would see a Voyager or DS9 or Enterprise movie. I mean, those were, I, I hate to say it because I enjoyed all those series. I'm not B-list. I'm not trying to diss them, but they were B-list and they were they were largely considered flops, you know, as far as the the bucks go. You know, they don't have the power to bring the audiences. You know, they don't have the power to put the asses in the seats. You know, I'm not saying I I'm not I'm not dissing. I'm just that's the simple fact of the matter. When you when you oh, put I it, agree hundred percent. You know, dollars and cents. That's what it comes down to. So. I guess I have to grudgingly acknowledge that this had to be if you were going to save Star Trek or reinvigorate Star Trek this had to be the way to do it it's just it's a scary way to do it too it's I mean I, I will say this I'll, my opinion of J.J. Abrams being a Hollywood douchebag has not changed and but at the same time it, this is a really hard thing to do <laughs> it would be is to bring back the original Star Trek without Shatner period <laughs> much less any of the other actors you know with, with Nimoy and it's obvious from this movie that they really didn't need Nimoy as far as I'm concerned and you and I are two tough cells so if we didn't need Nimoy then you know they could have right. gotten away with it with all new people and it would have it still probably would have you know they could have run it up the flagpole and everybody would have saluted but um but I feel man, like you that gotta was a... get Kirk right. You gotta get Kirk right because it it is. It's his story, and and Spock is the fascin is the one that a lot of people are fascinated with because a lot of the nerds you know f- you know feel like Spock instead of they don't feel Kirk's a jock basically you know so they don't identify with him as much as. Spock. Can you see my notes? No, <laughs> I swear to God, you keep picking shit out of my brain. That's that's an, that's another one I had here was that uh, the new Kirk, I thought he was excellent. I thought he was really really good. My my sole complaint was he 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 was a bit too much of the jock douchebag that I didn't like in high school. But I, maybe that's just part of that thing, you know. But well, it, he's it, young sometime- too. He's he's undeveloped yeah. in this, and he's you know, I mean. It, Theor, you know, theor, theor, he's he's probably that way because his he, his father died. You know, it's that's that's right. he's a little more rough hewn. But, but and 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 um, 
and Spock's more emotional in this one. You know, Spock has more emotion working or, and is definitely a little more um, torn and and conflicted in this one than he w- it was in the other in, in the original series. You know, he he was a lot more stolid and and uh, and somber in in the original Star Trek and, and logical. In this right. one, you can you can see him. You can see a, the flashes of emotion on him all right. the time. But right. that's good. That's this guy sort of, you know, Quinto is making Spock kind of his own. But still, I, I bought him as Spock. I I don't know. The more I'm talking about it, the more I'm kind of liking it. <laughs> you know, even despite the things that I didn't like. Although, you know, my review is was positive to start out with. I'm liking it more and more the more I talk about it and think about it. And it's funny, it's even the more we talk about the movie's faults, it's making me warm up to it. It's got a lot of stuff to warm up to, you know? Anyway, go on with your... <laughs> well, with your here's the self. thing is that, that, that we've, we've, <laughs> we've actually snuck in a lot of my positives now, so it's hard for me to go back to the negatives because I don't, I don't want to focus on the negatives. For, for a change, I'll I really don't. I'll try to don't. balance you up. I'll try to, but, to uh, <laughs> positive I, I'm up. Wondering, I'm wondering if, you know, if, if anything in this hit your, your nitpicker button or anything hit your you – know, I mean, was there anything that, that, that you had trouble getting at? Okay. Oh, you know, not well, much that, that I had trouble getting past because once I'm – I'm one of those people, all right, that has um, this sort of personality that once I'm there and the lights go out, it's very easy for me to commit to it. And there'll be things that make me go, oh, okay, and if they start adding up too much, then I'll get, I'll get, you know, I'll start getting pissed and I'll start falling out of being into it. But this really... Like the first, I gotta say, the first ten, you know, the first action sequence of this movie, the you know, with Kirk's father, that really sucked me in. And once it's got me in, and and it's, and I would say, uh, unlike you, it was more like uh, I started picking up more nitpicks in the second half of the movie rather than right. after the first third. But like in the second half, I was sort of more like, okay, whatever, you know, this is cheesy. But uh, at the same time, cheesiness is a part of Star Trek, so I was sort of happy to see it there. I was sort of No, I'm not happy talking to... just about the cheese, though. I'm talking about things that go, all right, now, wait a minute. They didn't know that yet. Or, wait a minute, this guy shouldn't be here. Now, wait a right. minute. How, how does this happen? Those are the things I'm talking – because believe me, believe me, I tried so hard to turn the continuity button off. You know, I tried very hard yeah. – to turn off that stuff doesn't get me as much what was what was what gets oh, right. what was getting me in this is Nero is a really poorly developed character very you want to like you know the thing about Nero is if you've read the comics and this is the thing is they didn't even develop him enough in the comics but as myself as a as a quote unquote writer or you know who's written stuff before like is interested in character development or something. The thing about Nero is he's a tragic, he's an evil but tragic character. You know, he's was made insane by his world getting destroyed and is twisted and sick and vowing vengeance. But at the same time, 
he was kind of a for a Romulan. He was kind of a good guy before. He was he was kind of helping out. He was sort of on Spock's side and helping things out, and uh, you know, just in the right team. And and when his you know wife was killed and his world was destroyed, he just lost it. But you don't get that in this. You just get him as sort of this like cruel, ruthless you know, sort of just broad strokes drawn Star Trek enemy and uh eh, you know, a sort of a sort of um third rate con, you know. What and was he doing for twenty five years after he showed just up? Just fooling around, I guess. That's another yeah. thing, yeah, just just bopping around, keeping out of sight. No man that's a hunt. long time to, yeah, well, to, well, to yeah. nurse a grudge, you know? Well, that's also a long time for the Federation not to be hunting him down and trying to get him, you know, <laughs> for blowing up, a, you know, for just for, for just mercilessly slaughtering people, you know? So, so yeah, yeah there's, there were a lot of – a lot of the problems were with the writing and with the story for me and the way – you know, I mean, and and I had a head start and a little more information on the story, so I maybe could enjoy it a little more than the average viewer. But the average viewer that was there didn't seem to care. I mean, people, the movie got a standing ovation at the end of at the end. Of, I mean, there were hardcore nerds there. There were all kinds of people there, and everybody got up on their feet and were like, when the original music came out and the you know the end lyrics were just sort of flying over planets to the original courage music people leaped to their feet and, and broke out into applause tell me something does this does this theory wash that maybe i would have enjoyed it a bit more than i did if if i'd have had a psyched crowd because that always affects because yeah always usually, That's a usually great when thing. i would That's go to see a star trek a movie, movie yeah, usually when I would see a Star... Well, I mean, any any huge thing like Star Wars, Star Trek, any of those movies, that's why I like to go to premieres because yeah. you're seeing it fresh, you're not spoiled, hopefully, and everybody there is pretty much in the same boat you are, but they're jazzed. They're there yeah. first night because they're fans, they're psyched, they're pumped, yep. and it makes the experience so much yep. better. And, I mean, the crowd I was there with seemed pretty psyched and everything... But, I mean, the place was empty. I mean, the place probably held, I don't know, what's a movie theater hold? 500 people? Yeah. There's 18 people in there. You know, I mean, how how much energy is going to get generated? Yeah, yeah ours is packed telling you, in, packed in that, to the gills. In that part where Spock went into the thing about, oh, well, now we're living in an alternate timeline. With only 18 people in there, I still heard a moan go through the audience. Right. You know, so, you know. <laughs> but, you know, like I say, I'm... I'm just throwing it out there. I'm not going to get into specific. The only specific nitpick as far as things that just really I had trouble with. It, it, the, the only one I'm going to focus on is the Uhura Spock love story. <laughs> I, I forgot to get to that. That was that's that something I have a problem with, too, because Vulcan, majorly. Vulcan physiology is not going to change because Kirk's dad got killed. Right. right. Well, I mean, why, why should their relationship change? Because Kirk, how how does Kirk, Kirk's dad dying before his well, time affects it's, it's, it's like Leo Mike said he thinks that like a lot of people theorize that by the time, by the time it's Kirk's Enterprise, 
with Spock and with, but by the time everybody's in their position, that Spock and Uhura have broken it off because it's unprofessional, and Spock is a consummate professional. So, it's like Biblio Mike said, there was a, some flirting between the two of them in the early episodes of Star Trek, and then it sort of disappeared. So, it could be from that that they did that. I don't know why they added that in there. Although it made for, I, I, I really liked the scene where, you know, they were making out on the transporter and Kirk's standing there and gives Spock this look. And you know why they threw it in there? I'll tell you why. Because they were going to have a lot of them little teeny bopper Dawson Creek people in the audience. She was a hot young woman and he was arguably the biggest name in the movie. You know that, right. that Zachary Quinto oh, right. guy. He you're was right. the star. You're, you're he, and, he, right. and he's got quite the little girl, you know, the fangirl following. Correct. You're correct. So that's why it was in there, and I call bullshit on that. You know, I mean, I think you are on. absolutely correct because it doesn't add anything to his character. No, it does not, and it detracts a hell of a lot for an old fanboy like me. It, it, it just that was the pull me right out of the movie moment. You know, it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa what? Now I can understand the part. When she got on the trans, or uh, excuse me, not the transporter, the, uh, the, the turbo lift. I kind of liked that scene. I did too. I did too. I felt, I didn't feel like it was out of place or out of character. I felt like she was honestly concerned for him. Like, you know, I, I'm here for you. I liked that moment. It, it felt very human. It felt very, uh, right. Just you know, somebody, like somebody reaching with, out to somebody else. Exactly. But then they ruined it later with and, the thing on the transporter. Then you got more of the, oh, I see, there's a relationship here. Yeah. That, to me, kind of just ruined everything with the elevator. Then the elevator scene didn't seem as innocent and as, as much of a sweet gesture as it did well, she before. Was still, she was still making out with him a little bit on the elevator, but it was just more one way. Exactly. Which, you know, he experienced that on the original show, too, you know, where right. Nurse Chapman would... kept trying to put the, put the moves on him, and he would just stand there all style, you know, Vulcans don't. <laughs> yeah, it's like Charles Petty from high school. <laughs> <laughs> I've got one for you. This this is not a nitpick or gripe or anything. I, I just, I'm purely curious. What was up with Winona Ryder, man? Has she just got a lot of years or a lot of mileage or a lot of makeup? Because she just didn't look good at all. What happened to her? Now, can I say something? I read about beforehand that Winona Ryder felt just like crammed in there. I forgot she was in the movie, and for the life of me, I can't tell you where she was in that movie. Who was she in that movie? She was Spock's mother. Oh, that was, oh now that you say that, you're right. She well, was Amanda. They, yeah. Well, they just caked, they caked like crappy white makeup on her, and like all filled right. in all the crap, plastered in all the cracks with with black spackle. Yeah, that's right. All right. Um, all right. Because I mean, I saw her. I wondered I thought, why. Wow, I wondered why I his seen. mother was kind of. I thought she, his mother was. I thought she was kind of. Eh, life. You know, she didn't have the the sparkle of his original mother and, and Sarek, you know, how can you you can't really top Mark Leonard, all that, that guy just looked like a sort of like artist's rendering of Sarek with a bit of caricature to him, you know He's another guy that I kept looking at going, where I've do seen I know this guy too, yes, yeah. you're, you're correct, I have too, but you know, he just looked like Sarek with his face like maybe with an allergic reaction or something like that Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, um, 
I don't know. Well, they got rid of her pretty quick anyway. <laughs> now, what what do you think about that? The dis, the the outright destruction of Vulcan. I mean, that's, I thought it uh, was uh, I thought it was uh, it was a shocker, and I'm like, wait a minute. And then when I started thinking about it, I'm like, okay, they can get, you know they can get away with this in this alternate timeline because anything Nero does is, and I'm like, that's a pretty. Uh, that really changes that changes Spock's character mm-hmm. um, in this and it also creates a whole dynamic of there's two Spocks there's the Enterprise Spock and there's now there's a Spock who's rebuilding Vulcan so now you know what that means in future episodes now Leonard Nimoy gets to be Jiminy Cricket Yoda Spock and and oh, like Jesus Christ, and, and no. come in and come in and like give you know, you know enough character, a little enough help to inform herself not to you know undercut his actual life lessons, but to do you, you know, want to see out. that? I mean, because no. I, I no, I do it's not. It's stupid, I, but I mean, I can I can totally. It may not happen, but the possibility of it—that's the thing. Is this movie? I think threw a million things up against the wall. And they're going to see see what sticks for the future. But the basic thing was the characters are intact. And the Enterprise, from the outside, for the... Anyway, isn't, you know... It's... There's enough Star Trek there to build Star Trek movies or TV shows that I would want to see in the future featuring this cast. Now, if they're given a good script to work with... If, if this cast is given a script to chew on and a good director is given the movie, this franchise has some fucking serious legs, I have to say. Because if I think that, I you know, and it's not, you know, like we were saying and like your wife was saying, it's not, we're, we're not going to live forever. But I, I think if in the long run, if this gets some of these whippersnappers into Kirk and Spock, and it gets a percentage of those whippersnappers to actually, you know, go back and check out where this came from, you know. Only if that happens that, will I feel good about I'm that. Sure because I'm going gonna, gonna I'm going to make a confession to you and to our listening audience right Uh-oh. now. I didn't take my kids to this movie. And you know uh, why I right. didn't take to it? I was afraid they would like it. Right, I, I was know. afraid you were talking that they... about that in Star Trek Monthly Monday number. Oh, seven. did I say that? Okay, well, yeah, they, I, 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 I was side. really, I was totally afraid that I would hate it and consider it, you know, whatever. Now, are you comfortable with them it. liking it? Because I think they'll like it. Don't you think they'll like it? I think they'll like it. Well, I would like is, it if I was there. I, I have a little bit of a buffer built in by the fact that I've been exposing them to Star Trek already. Right. So hopefully what you just said would hold true, that they would see this and go, all right, Dad's not nuts. Star Trek actually is pretty cool. And then they would go back and seek out at least the movies. I, I, don't, I don't know that I expect any kid under the age of 20 to go back and watch the right. 60s Star Trek. I'll, I'll just be fair. It is dated. It does look a certain way, and you have to suspend a lot in in modern days to get into that show. But the movies, I think, especially one through three, still hold up as solid motion pictures, solid entertainment. You know, three, 
Oh, I mean, it, 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 actually, I'll even throw four in there. As much as I have beefs with that one, two, three, and four are basically the Star Wars trilogy of Star Trek. I mean, they tell a continuing story that that actually could be packaged as a trilogy. You know what I mean? It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. It, it has a nice story. So if, if that's what happens, if this inspires people to go back and change yeah. their thinking and check out Star Trek movies or the later series like Next Gen or whatever with, with fresh new eyes and, and less of a of a of a predisposition to hate on Star Trek because it's too whatever, then that's great. But and I, get this, gonna... get this. Conversely, it also allows them to watch them on as a continuous timeline too, and say, "Oh, I'm you know, basically, this is the thing. There's been a line, and we're on one side of the line. They're on the other side of the line. From our side of the line." We get to watch their Star Trek. And for me, their Star Trek is enough Star Trek where I can watch it and go, yeah, I get, I, it, it, this is still Star Trek. I can watch this and feel Star Trekiness from it and be psyched to see both, you know, to see how, you know, it, it'll be great to see a Star Trek situation and see McCoy reacting to it. You know what I mean? In, in the future, and to see Kirk and Kirk and Spock, you know, using their 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 interplay to solve problems and stuff, I can now look forward to it again. But it is the next generation Star Trek. But at the same time, they've got our Star Trek. You know, they they're looking across the line at our Star Trek, and I can only hope that they're able to see that and appreciate it for what it is, too. Even though is, it's going to be a little foreign to them because it's not the same. It's from a different – it's from two different times, you know? Let me, let me ask you something that just occurred to me. I mean other than comic books, you know, specifically like the Marvel thing with, with Ultimates and, and maybe even you know, Superman as he's been rebooted several times through the years. Sure. Is, beyond that, is there a precedent for this? I mean has this ever really happened before? Because I'm I'm stuck thinking of a, of a, of another maybe somebody will throw that out there to us on you know in feedback or on the forums or something but I, I'm I'm stuck trying to think what of what you mean like with a I mean it's been done before with individual movies and wait uh, it's got there's got to be some movies that were remade and then sequelized rebooted. I mean but something that had. Maybe not 40 years, but something that just had a massive fan following, devoted thing. You know, it was a, it was a phenomenon. Maybe to and an extent, Mission suddenly... Impossible, right? There were three Mission Impossible movies Yeah. that, yeah, that don't have anybody from the TV show in them. I mean, the only other thing I can think of, and this is probably a shit example, but the only other thing I can think of would be something like, the Wizard of Oz is a beloved classic, and just about every remake that happens with that polarizes people. So, yes. yeah, I mean, they well, I mean, or, or even uh, now, this is not a remake situation, but when they when they years and years and years later made a sequel to Gone with the Wind, I remember how that freaked people oh, out. Oh, that's know? right, it was a novel, wasn't it? Yeah, and and you know, well, it was a novel and then eventually a movie, and I remember that it really 
you know, so maybe that's a poor example, but I'm, I'm trying to think of something that really would be close to this and how it eventually played out because, all right, I, I mean, I wanted to save the sequels and follow-ups talk to the very end, but I'll, I'll just throw it out there. This is going to sound like a complete pussy answer, but my answer is I, I'm, I'm undecided because I'm undecided about the film. I honestly, I, I mean, I liked it. I'll, I'll go on record to say I enjoyed the movie. I liked the movie. Did I have problems with it? Yes, I had some major problems with it. But overall, did I feel like I wasted my money? Did I hate it? All that crap? No, I didn't. You know, I, I'm not prepared to say, oh, I'm going to eat my words and it was awesome. And I, no, I'm not saying that because I it, there's still so many things I have problems with. But ultimately, it wasn't the abomination and the disgrace and the pissing on the legend and all that that I really feared it was going to be. I thought for what they had to work with and what they were trying to do for the most part, they they pulled it off. They were as respectful, probably as they could be to two degrees. As I don't you know. Could I, expect, yeah. Right. But ultimately, the, the the major question that's still hanging out there for me is what what now? What happens now? Am I ready for sequels? Am I ready for a whole new friend? Am I basically am I ready to see it star all over again? I am. I can say immediately, yes, I am. I don't I don't know because as I've had a day to mull this over I'm feeling a little better about it I actually would like to kind of I'd kind of like to go see it again which is funny for me to say that my my initial (laughs) reaction you prick my initial reaction walking out of this and and when I got home you know my wife you know because I saw it by the time I got home it was like 1230 you know she rolls over all blurry well how was it and I was like eh it was alright you know but I mean, on the drive home by myself, you know, listening to the new soundtrack and all that, I have to say, my when I was driving, I had a very melancholy funk drop drop over me. I really, I felt sad because I felt like this really was. I mean, more than the death of Kirk in Generations, I felt like this was the end of an era for me. Like somehow, I had, you know, we, we had talked way, 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 way back about, you know, you had made an excellent observation way back at one old episode about there, you can see the line in Star Wars where Luke crosses that line between boyhood and manhood, where he go, he, right. he starts his hero's quest. I had kind of a feeling like that. Like I, I had him, you know, this is my moment where I've crossed a line or, or, or somehow... I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's just, this is one of those things that it's going to be hard to come back off of, you know, if they, and I don't think they are. I mean, it's funny. It's got great hype. So I don't know how I feel about that. I, I'm, it can still, it can still be squandered. The good capital that they have could be squandered in the hands of somebody clumsy. Um, J.J. Abrams is not necessarily needed anymore (laughs) after establishing this. I think what is really needed is good writers. And you know what? Maybe, I don't know if he's too old, but maybe have Nimoy direct the next one. I think that would be a great idea. It's not a bad idea. And uh, 
because you know, I mean, I mean, Nimoy has enough clout as a director. I'm I wouldn't sure. mind seeing Shatner come back and direct another one. You know, people that might can be a boo good idea. and hiss, and there are probably people throwing their their earbuds on the floor right now and stomping their iPod, going, "Oh, this guy's full of crap." But I, you know, I don't care what you think about Star Trek Five. Yes, I'll agree that it, you know, the story kind of peters out and all that. But I'm talking about purely the direction of that movie. You can tell that that man loved the characters. He was trying to do the best with. He was doing you know, a trek. What he, he was working in the trek context. He was being reverent to Roddenberry. Right. You know, not you know, you don't have to kiss Roddenberry's ass, but really, he did come up with a set of rules. And an idea of what he wanted to present the future as philosophically, and you well, can who, basically build off that. I mean, I'll, that's pretty easy to build off, and it's just well, you who keep your understands? On it. Who understands better than William Shatner that Star Trek is about Kirk? That <laughs> oh, nobody. <laughs> story. Oh, and that's, of course, that's nobody. Why <laughs> That's why I will be an apologist for Star Trek V. That's why I will hold that movie up and say, I don't care what you say, I liked it. Because that's why I liked it. Because it made no bones about the fact that it was Kirk. You know, it was all about him. Right. And that's why I liked that movie. And, and you know, so people, you know, people will dog that, yet they'll embrace this. Well, you know... The two are pretty freaking similar as far as, you know, where they're coming from, you know, who's who's it about? You know what I mean? Right. And and so for that reason, I, would, I wouldn't be averse to seeing him come back and, and do another one. I really wouldn't. And that would be a nice way to appease him, too, because he's nursing some hurt feelings about this whole thing. You know, the fact that, you know, they, they brought Nimoy in to be Spock, but... You know, my understanding is they didn't even talk to Shatner. Right. That that's pretty harsh, man. You know, the the guy who you could argue that you know he he was the power behind it. You know, they could have sure at least sent, somebody sent Chris Pine to go hang out with him, uh, method acting style to get some Kirk tips. Well, that would be the perfect way if there was a if 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 he directed for him to maybe rub some of his Kirkness off on Chris Pine, which to be honest with you, Chris Pine doesn't need any direction from No, I was, I was thinking that too. I wondered where you were going because I didn't, I thought he did well and oh, I yeah. liked the fact that he made the character his own and he didn't just ape uh, No, but there was still chat. just the general idea of Kirk being, he, I liked when Uhura called him a, a mouth breather because Kirk is a mouth breather. Kirk always has, sort of has his mouth open like he's kind of amazed, you know. He always, Kirk always has that sort of, you know, like head tipped forward, you know, just always, and uh, you know, going towards the action. And that's, and Chris Pine picked up on that and, you know, took, you know, grabbed on, you know, we're, oh, we're not going to meet up with Starfleet. We're chasing after the Romulans, you know. That's how this is going to work. And, uh, and you know, he, he ran with that, literally. Now, I, w I was watching one scene where he was running, you know, towards, 
to, to get away from the, the, you know, the creatures on the, on the ice planet. And uh, I was waiting for a shoulder roll. And uh, I noticed he, he was, wasn't doing the cockback fist and no double fist shots either. But there was a lot of good, good honest to God, genuine, just hand-to-hand combat. Mm-hmm. No mess, no ridiculous, you know, kung fu, f- super flippy. There was a little with Sulu, but it wasn't over the top, you know. It was just straight up fisticuffs, and you know, people people bled pretty. You know, there were a lot. You know, Kirk was always nursing black eyes that were that looked like a real two day healed black eye with you know. Let, let me sp- ask you something about the part with the monster, though. I'm I'm racking my brains and I can't think of a time. Was there ever a time that we saw Kirk run away? Cause that kind of bugged me just a. I mean, it's it didn't ruin anything or anything well, like that, but it, it bugged me just a tiny bit that we saw Kirk like scream and run away. Well, granted, thing, it was a big scary monster, but thing, still, you know. The thing is, at some point, you know, any, you know, if any character that's, you know, if you have to scream and run away if at some point your character is not suicidal. And Kirk's a survivor. And and um, the situation with something like that, to the you know, the thing that Kirk would have to do to, to get through the you know, the obvious course of action would be run away. So he would do it. I just don't think he would scream. But I thought that whole sequence was a little ingenuous. It was just sort of all right, we need some, you know, we just want to keep the action going, so we'll have, you know, we'll have a remake of basically episode one of Star Wars with the one with the fish and the bigger fish chase. They played that scene in its entirety from the point where he's walking along and and senses, no, I I know what it was. It was when he sees that wolf-looking thing running running towards him. him. They played from that part, to where he fell off the cliff in an episode of I think it must have been Lost a few weeks ago and I saw that whole scene and it didn't it didn't make me feel better about the movie you know it didn't make me didn't make me feel like you know it didn't put any of my my fears to rest or anything so I was really nervous about it and you know after seeing that in the theater and everything it, it didn't Make me feel good or bad. It just was kind of there. Yeah. And exactly. but then I got to thinking that I almost wonder if that wasn't their uh, Galaxy Quest moment. Right. You know, because there's that moment where he fights the big rock creature in that movie that was supposed to be some uh, something of an homage to Star Trek. You know, and the Shatner thing and all that. And I and and it almost felt like. It was a right back at like you. A par- yeah, exactly. It almost felt like a parody of an homage, right. <laughs> which is weird, you know, it which could is very, very well str- be. There was, there was enough hipsterness in it for, for that to happen, you know. Speaking of Galaxy Quest, I, I have to say that uh, as much as, you know, whatever about this movie, I still think that ultimately Galaxy Quest may have been the better reboot of the two. I liked Galaxy <laughs> Quest a That's hell of a lot. That's a very good movie. 
It was really good. You know, I, I really enjoyed that. I almost would have rather have seen that go forward than than this whole thing come along. But uh, well, Tim Tim Allen was more classically Kirk because he's also got that more of that old fashioned Kirk physique. You know, right? Instead, so right. all, all the guys in this movie all have like modern physique type looks. You know, right down to McCoy. Well, they've all got that friggin'. I keep saying Dawson's Creek, which probably dates me because I know that that show's gone, you know, a yeah, long time by now. But you know what I mean? You know, it's just that whole Smallville, OC, yeah. you know, all that. The WB it, it really, Yeah, style. exactly. It has that whole thing going on, and that, that bugs me quite, quite the little bit. But anyway, positive, positive, positive. I'm trying to be positive. <laughs> Probably, uh, well, really, my last two notes here, and they're both big positives. How awesome, how utterly awesome was it to see the original Enterprise back up on the big screen again? Yes. There were several beauty shots of the ship that just brought tears to my eyes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Right off the illustrations of the old novels and stuff, the old paintings of it, the majestic look of the Enterprise. I loved it coming up out of the rings of Saturn. Right. The dust on it. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. You know. You know, granted, I, I, I fully realized that this, you know, the, the classic Enterprise was in 4, 5, and 6. But honestly, it, to right. me, we haven't seen this Enterprise since she blew up in Star Trek 3. Right. You know, to my mind. I, I, you know, I don't think we ever quite got, I mean, for one thing, we only see the Enterprise for two seconds at the end of four. The special effects in five were abysmal for the most part. And six, somehow, I don't know what it is about that one, that somehow the, the ship looks odd to me in that one. It's not quite as silvery and it just, I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, but, but it was two and three where it just looked beautiful and especially yeah. through, there's a shot as they come up on the Genesis planet just before the battle with the Klingons there's this shot from kind of behind and to the right of the ship flying away from, it just looks beautiful and that's how I have always liked to remember the Enterprise you know it, on the big screen was that beautiful shot of it just kind of coasting in on impulse toward the Genesis planet. It's just a great shot. And that's always the shot that sticks in my mind, you know? And so there were shots in this movie where I felt like that again. You know, I I felt like a kid of, you know, 1984 or whatever, watching three again on the big screen and just being blown away to see the Enterprise huge on the screen. It just, I loved that. That really did take me back and I, I, I really, that was enjoyable. I really liked that. So, you know, Ultimately, this movie might have, you know, done horrible things, but they got that right, you know, and and that right there made me feel like I hadn't wasted anything, you know, that I I was enjoying it just to see, you know, that beautiful lady back up on the screen again. Because I've always had a love affair with the the Star Trek, the motion picture version of the Enterprise. It's just a beautiful piece of machinery, you know, And, and and this was... To me, this ship looked much more like that Enterprise than it did the TV Enterprise, and I liked that. I, you know, I was glad that they yes. went with, you know, closer to that version than, you know, the the clunky original one. 
not that I, you know, I don't like that one. I'm just saying that, that the sleeker motion picture one has always been my favorite version of any Enterprise. You know, it's just a beautiful ship. But uh, the other thing real quick was uh, I almost feel like I owe this guy an apology. You know, when I first listened to the score by uh, Michael Giacchino, I, I, I had harsh things to say about it because I didn't. I listened to it and I thought, wow, this is really boring and just kind of you know, just anticlimactic, but after seeing the movie and I've listened to the score almost nonstop, you know, since, you know, a few hours before going to see the movie right up to today, the more I listen to it, the more I like it. It's really growing on me and uh, it really is a good score. You know, it, it could be a bit more thematic, but that it, it's that's not so much a fault. Of, yeah, it's not so much a fault of this score, I think, is that you know, Mark and I were talking about this a while back. You know, Mark being uh, Mark Buttrick, a, a good friend of ours, a good friend of the show. He's a Star Trek, or excuse me, he's a, a soundtrack expert. And uh, we were talking about this a while ago. I, I think there's kind of a new scoring style that's developed, you know, in, in recent years in Hollywood where they're not being done so much in the John Williams style where there's a theme for every character you know like you listen to star wars and luke has a theme yoda has a theme darth vader has a theme princess leia has a theme everybody's got their own theme and as things happen you get snippets of that you know you get allusions and and callbacks to the different themes that to me is an is an excellent score that's the way i like scores to sound sadly you know, we're we're getting more of these Pirates of the Caribbean's themes, uh, or not themes, but soundtracks, where it's just a lot of thumping and banging and really driven, and it's you know it might be exciting and all that, but ultimately you listen to it and you go, you know what? There's no themes in this. It's just atmospheric, know? basically. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. It's and it becomes what I what I just call background. It, it's just, right. it's background music. And I'm not saying it's Muzak, you know, like it's something you'd hear in an elevator, but it's just not, it's almost like a TV soundtrack. You listen to a lot of TV shows and they have music, but does it drive things? Does it, you know, does it make you, you know, does it have themes? Does it talk about what's happening on the screen like a John Williams? You could turn the dialogue off in a Star Wars movie follow it because John Williams is telling you the story with his music you know I don't get that feeling from a lot of modern movies you look at something like Pirates of the Caribbean or National Treasure or Dark Knight or a lot of these movies they have a very 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 backgroundish generic score in the background might be exciting it might thump and pump in the action sequences but is it talking to you you know Is is it narrating the story I don't think so and that's kind of the problem with this one is that as enjoyable as it is and it gets my blood going and I really like a lot of moments of it, ultimately, you know, until I watch the movie 400 more times, I won't know what's happening in specific sequences. Right. Whereas you don't get that with Star Wars. You listen to Star you you, yeah. you pick a track on, say, like The Empire Strikes Back. I can tell you exactly what's happening oh, yeah. at the moment that music's playing because it's telling you the story as you listen to it. This isn't one of those kind of soundtracks, but that's not to say I don't enjoy it. I, I you know, it's it's growing on me, and uh, yeah, I, I kind of dig it. 
I love the big orchestra version of the Alexander Courage theme at the uh, end I titles. I do too. Beautiful. It is. It's beautiful. The only the only other version I've ever heard that I liked more than that was the uh, Eric uh, Eric Kunzel. Um, you know, he's a famous uh, orchestrator. He redoes a lot of movie themes and stuff. He's got a beautiful version of it. But other than that, yeah, this was the best, like, full orchestra redo of the original Courage one that I've ever heard. Yeah, I really, really dug it. And I like that they threw it in at the end credits, you know. They, they didn't... Yeah. I, I think it worked better that way, actually. You know, it, it was kind of like how they did, you know, Iron Man, you know, by Black Sabbath at, at the end of the Iron Man movie rather than cheese it up somewhere at the beginning or in the middle or whatever they saved right. it to the end credits and that's how I thought this was Where it's it not going to hurt anything <laughs> well, exactly Iron yeah. Man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah I uh, well it's funny too that you know I, I've seen something somewhere it was on TV or something where they were calling this like this year's Iron Man I, I think that's a very apt comparison because I walked out of Iron Man much the same way as I walked out of this one thinking I liked Iron Man a lot more than you too so this is sort of the same thing there (laughs) it is well you know one of the things that I took away from Iron Man was I was like eh that was alright but the sequel will be a lot better I I'm thinking the same thing with this one too yeah to to a degree I will grudgingly say that you know that if there are sequels, and yeah, I'm sure there will be. I'm not. I'm not sure that I'm ready to go get in line for it. But I do think whatever sequels come along will will probably be just you know the next notch up. They'll be that much better. Yeah. They've got the origin story out of the way. They're free and clear to tell. You know, a whole story now. You know, they don't uh, have yeah. to. You know, they don't have to fiddle fuck around. With any any backlog, any backstory, any explanation of who yep. these people are and where they're coming from, everything. So it's you know all established, and they've got their universe yep. to to work in, and which could or couldn't, you know, it, it could or couldn't lead to to my better in, enjoyment and better ex, ex. It ultimately comes down to acceptance because. You know, it's taken us all this time to figure it out. That's ultimately for me what this comes down to. Is it's not that I didn't enjoy it. I I did enjoy the movie. I'll go around record saying that it comes down to acceptance. Is that I enjoyed it, but do I accept it? That's that's the pill. You know, that and the jury's just honestly, I don't mean to sound you know wishy washy, but ultimately the jury's still out on that. I, I don't know that I've. That's going to take a while. To, to fully accept it because Biblio Mike on the forum asked us an excellent question which was do we think the countdown miniseries is the you know quote unquote official end of the original Star Trek universe you know everything you know classic Trek TNG Voyager the whole nine yards my answer to that is yes I, I really do I think that you know, in this movie with, with Spock saying, you know, 126 years from now, blah, blah, blah. I think they are officially, you know, Hanging putting the cap. Yeah, yeah, they are. They're they're putting well, the cap on. I'll put it this way. There'll be books and there'll be comic books. Well, that's why I think it takes place a, a good, I, I haven't done the math yet, but say, say from the end of, uh, what was the last series? Voyager, say from the right. end of Voyager, 
to the point where Spock goes back in time that there's 20, 30 years there. Say, Something I don't, like that. I don't yeah. know what the math is, but say 20 years. That means that there are 20 years worth of novels still to be written. And with this new thing being out there, you know, we're really only going to see the, the, the serious diehard hangers on. So eventually that's going to start to wane and peter off. So I think that you've got a built-in buffer by the powers that be at Paramount or whoever thought this up that that's why they did it. That's that's you know that's why they didn't have it be Picard from two years after Nemesis doing this. Right. It was Picard from twenty years out because that way it gives them the time to appease the diehards that maybe won't be so accepting that are still going to cling to the original right. continuity. It gives them time to either become acceptant or to be weaned off or to die. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying to be harsh, but that's the simple reality. Yeah. Those people won't live forever. And eventually, yeah. and again, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm glad that they've done it. I'm glad that if they're going to do it, I'm glad they did it that way where they give us time to get it out of our system, you know, to, to still be able to, to follow the original, but now we know how it ends. So, I mean, when you know the yeah. end of the story, are you willing to, to hang on for the next 20 years as they fill in the rest of, you know, the, the rest of the story for you? A lot I of people probably so. won't. I think, well, I think a lot of people, I think it's all about the characters and I think, it's not a, even about what happens to the characters. I think people want to see the characters up and alive and doing their thing. It could be. It could be. It could know. be. I mean, you know, strangely, there's a character in comics, uh, Jonah Hex, that right. you know how I discovered him. I discovered him through the story where he dies. Uh huh. Because so, there was a story right in the middle of his uh, when he was at his absolute most popular. They put out a story that told what whatever become of him. And that's the first story I ever read was the death of the character. And I'm a huge Hex fan. Right. So, you know, it, it could happen that people will follow him anyway, you know, follow the characters anyway, sure. still knowing what lays in wait for them in the future. Because they like it, the characters. Exactly. Yeah, it, I, I can see that. It could happen. Well, what else you got, brother? I think that about I think I'm about wrapped up. I think I got about all that I think about this off my chest for now. Upon first viewing, I'm sure I'll be blabbing about how how it looks on IMAX, which I'm sure it's going to look beautiful on IMAX. <sighs> I'd love to go see it in IMAX. Maybe maybe I'm pretty sure Mark said that that there's a really nice IMAX not far from where he lives. Yeah, because yeah. he did. Didn't he say he went to see like Dark Knight or something at it? I think you're right. Maybe while I'm, wait, maybe while I'm at Disney here in a couple weekends, maybe we'll go see Star Trek at the IMAX. I don't know. We'll just have to see how things shake out. That would be pretty awesome, though. That would be pretty awesome. Well, let's, so let's what, put what, it this way. You're willing to go pay money to see it again. That's That's pretty good. I'm curious what <laughs> I'm more curious what your reaction is to my reaction to the movie than I am of what your reaction is I'm to the movie. I'm not surprised with your reaction to the movie. I I'm uh I think I think initially upon the beginning of the show I thought you were going to 
hate on it a little more just because you seemed like ready to, to blow a gasket waiting to go. But, you know, the more you talked about it, the more sort of positive things sort of came out of it, you know, uh, you know, then, you know, but you did preface it at the beginning saying that you didn't hate it, but I thought that you were going to say, but I didn't like it either. But, you know, there, you know, yeah, I, I didn't love it. I didn't love it. But, I, you know, did I like it? Yeah. Like I say, it was, you know, I mean, if I had to sum it up with one word or one sound effect, it would be meh. You know, it was, it was okay. You know, it was, it, it, it wasn't an abomination straight from hell that pissed all over my Star Trek. But at the same rate, you know, was it the most awesome thing ever set to film? No. So, I mean, it's that, it's that middle ground. You know what I mean? Okay. It was, uh, it was the, uh, which did you think was better, Star Trek or Wolverine? I don't know. That's such an apples and oranges comparison. Yeah. Um, I, I Star Trek. Okay, good. Star Trek. But I'm more, inve- <laughs> but I'm more, but I'm more uh, Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, also listen to our in a, coming up in a couple weeks our Comics Monthly Monday episode where we talk about Wolverine. <laughs> Well, that's that's all I got for this one. So uh, yeah. yeah, go see if you haven't seen it. If you're strangely, if you're listening to this spoiler-filled cast and and you haven't seen it, and we've go ruined see it. it. I even will, though I we've will, ruined it for you, <laughs> go see it. It is it is worth seeing. If you have you know, any su- love of Star Trek, it. yes, you got to support it. Even if even if you hate it, I you know, I, which I, I, did, I, I won't even go that support. far. But I'd I'd say. If you love Star Trek, if you exactly. like Star Trek, you owe it to yourself to see it because you will, you will, you know, it's as good as you're gonna get of fresh new Star Trek coming at you, basically. Right. It's all you got, and I'll tell you what, I liked it, and you know, you'll, you'll, and there's somebody, I don't care who you are, if you like Star Trek. There's going to be something in here that you like, and that's saying well, I mean, something. It, there's been a lot of, of wailing and gnashing of teeth in the in the Star Trek fan community about the fact that you know Star Trek is dead, and you know how can we you know re- resuscitate it, and what can we do to save it, and blah blah blah. You know, if you want to get back to the glory days when you know there were there was Star Trek on television, there were several Star Trek on TV yeah. at the same time. There were great Star Trek books coming out. There were great Star Trek comics. Star Trek had a theme park. Star Trek had a had a theme park type attraction at uh, in Las Vegas. You know, if we want to get back to those days, you know, you gotta support it when it's when it's available to you. So you know, love it or loathe it, this new movie, you know, it is Star Trek now. So you got to support it if if you want there to be a Star Trek you gotta support it when it's given to you that was part of the problem with Nemesis you know we were presented with that movie and you know the asses weren't in the seats so Paramount pulled the plug that that's what happens and it's a harsh reality but that's how economics work you know so so bottom line check it out go see it tell your friends to go see it tell your you know family and everybody to go see it check it out speaking of friends and family 
Uh, please, you know, pass the word about Two True Freaks. You know, if you're listening to us for the first time, I hope you'll come back on the uh, second week, second Monday of every month. We do a Star Trek related episode in which we uh, discuss books, comics, and a uh, classic. You know, we do an e- a review of a classic Star Trek episode. That's the second Monday of every month. So come back, you know, tell your friends, tell your re- relatives, tell your enemies. You know, support our show. Thanks for listening. Get those asses in the seats. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.libson.com where you can download all of our episodes and find our forum to openly and freely discuss topics from this and all other episodes with us and your fellow listeners. TwoTrueFreaks.Libson.com is spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S dot Libson, which is L-I-B-S-Y-N dot com. You can email us directly at TwoTrueFreaks at gmail.com. And thanks for listening to the Two True Freaks podcast. The Two True Freaks now have a phone line where you can call and leave a completely inappropriate message. Maybe we'll even use it on the show. That number is 1-585-COP-LURE. That's 1-585-267-5873. If you enjoyed this show, why not review us in iTunes? And if you didn't enjoy this show, why not review us in iTunes? Two True Freaks is a very proud member of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com slash league. Two True Freaks has been brought to you today by DeManzo Corps of Milan, Italy, and by the letters F and U.